it was just God's grace and God's providence that brought us to where we are today. And God takes the unqualified and he can qualify them. And that's very special. How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can also follow us at the Influencers Podcast Official on all social media channels to stay up to date, to hear more inspiring content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. What a joy to welcome you again to the epicenter of influence here on the Influencers Podcast. We have an amazing guest today. Alton Garrison is really a renaissance man. He's an author, a musician, a preacher, a teacher, a scholar, a leader of leaders, and has enjoyed such a wide and varied life experience that we're going to learn a lot from him today. He has served as an evangelist traveling across the nation, around the world. He's been the pastor of the great First Assembly of God in North Little Rock, Arkansas. He then became the district superintendent of Arkansas. That's like becoming the bishop over hundreds of churches. And then was asked to serve nationally as the U.S. missions director, and most recently as the assistant general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And the Assemblies of God is no small organization. Over 3 million people in the U.S. call it their spiritual home, and around the world, 70 million people. Alton has been an influencer in this organization. Most recently, he serves as the executive director of the Acts 2 Journey Initiative, which helps churches to renew their spiritual vitality and reach their full kingdom potential. He's an author. He's written books such as Hope in America's Crisis, that's probably a good one to read now. Building a Winning Team, the Acts 2 Church, and the 360 Disciple. He's married to the lovely Johanna, who is also an author, and she's written a book I highly recommend and have read called Tangled Destinies, which talks about the story of her family's overcoming Nazi Holocaust and the Indonesian Revolution before coming here to the United States of America. Dr. Garrison and his lovely wife have a beautiful daughter called Lizette. She's a winner and two grandchildren, a grandson and a granddaughter. And Alton, it is a great joy. Thank you for giving us your time to be with us here on the Influencers Podcast. Uh, Scott, it's a joy and a privilege to be with you today. I'm looking forward for the next few minutes. Well, Alton has been to our church here. He has preached for us here in Sarasota, Florida and we love him here. He is such an interesting story, and he talked a little bit when he was with us about his faith background and his family's faith background, and he told a story of his dad's coming to faith, which sort of started this movement in his own life. And Alton, could you just tell us how, how a little bit about your background, a little bit about your family, a little bit about your dad? Yeah, Scott, I'd, you know, I'd kind of like to frame this entire discussion around some what I call connect words. Uh, grace, 
would be yeah. the first one, and providence would be the second one, and hope would be the third one. Uh, God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, you mentioned my wife, Johanna. Her mother was raised in Indonesia. Her father was raised in Holland. He was a survivor of a bombing raid where everybody was killed in the village but him. His wife that became Johanna's mother when he met her as a, a revolutionary, uh, a fighter in a war and a revolution. She was raised in a Buddhist home and also heavily involved in the occult. So we wouldn't be where we are today and we wouldn't be the people we are today without God's grace. Mm -hmm. My story is not nearly as exotic as my wife's. My dad was a high school dropout. He started working in the oil fields of Southeast Texas when he was just a young man, but he became uh, addicted to alcohol as a young mm -hmm. man as well. That addiction actually got him to a place of dysfunctionality that he could hardly hold a job. And he was just a, 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 a roustabout rounder, as sometimes they call the oil field hands of Southeast Texas. Uh, he didn't marry till he was 30. And he led mom, who was like 12 years his junior, into this lifestyle. And they didn't have children. And for seven years, the doctor said, we don't think you will have children. So I was somewhat of a shock to the system when I was announced. And when he found out he was going to be a father, he began to worry, how can I, in this condition, this dysfunctionality, this addiction, how can I be an effective father? And he started trying to quit. All of his attempts failed. And one day, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but it's a remarkable story of God's grace. He had a, a, a meeting, an intersection, a providential intersection with Jesus who radically changed him. He wasn't in a church. He mm -hmm. wasn't at an altar. He hadn't heard a message, but he had a prayer. And that prayer, even though it was not known to my mother who was riding with him in the car, he whispered it and said, please, Lord, spare my life to see that child. He thought he was having a, 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 a heart attack, actually, an, a, an episode. And he thought he's going to die. And he thought he's going to wreck the car. And he thought he's mm -hmm. going to hurt his wife and me, who was just unborn mm -hmm. at that time, six months. And Jesus reached down, looked past all of his failures, all of his promises that he had broken and the lies he had done and mm -hmm. all of the people he'd deceived and all of the things that had happened in his life. And in one split second, he was healed. He was wow. radically saved and he was wow. supernaturally delivered from his alcohol addiction. And he never took another drink for the rest of his life. That is an amazing supernatural transformation. Wow. That's a story of, grace and God's grace on your life, even from being a child. So you never really grew up in an alcoholic home because of the intervention of Jesus in your family, right? Uh, no, I didn't see him. I did not know his past except what people told me. But when you get to Providence, I call that supernatural scheduling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I know this doesn't make any sense. And, and I don't think it was advisable, but, but through a series of almost unusual and impossible events, my father, who had mm -hmm. no education, 
no Bible college training, was appointed pastor of a church wow. before he had ever preached his first sermon in a little town called Sour Lake, Texas. He hadn't been saved but a matter of uh, 10 or 12 months. <laughs> and, <laughs> in fact, it was a small church. I mean, yeah. I, I guess they thought it was so small he couldn't mess it up. There was nobody else there to pastor. And so they appointed him pastor. It seated it seat about 85 people, maybe 90 mm -hmm. people. I mean, he didn't have an office. He didn't have a secretary. He didn't have a deacon board. We didn't even have a foyer in our church. You were in or out of our little church. <laughs> but he and mom stayed there 22 years. Wow. And recently, my mom passed away. Dad's been in heaven a long time. My mom passed away at age 96. And we went back to that little church just a few months ago and had her celebration of life service. And we walked into that little church. And boy, the memories just flooded me. I saw the altar where I gave my life to Christ. Mm -hmm. I looked over in the corner and I saw a little spinet piano. It looked just like the one that I played when I was a boy. Mm -hmm. They assured me that it wasn't, but it sure looked <laughs> like it. And when I was eight years old, that supernatural scheduling, see that mm -hmm. <laughs> providence. My dad yeah. had said, you're the church pianist. I said, but dad, I'm only eight. <laughs> he said, but you've been taking lessons. I said, I've taken a couple. The mm -hmm. lady that was the church pianist, her husband's transferred out of town. You got to go where he goes. So she's gone. And <laughs> he said, you're it. I said, well, I only know one song. He said, don't worry, we'll sing it every week. <laughs> and so that's how I got started. So when you look back, there's so many things that it was just God's grace and God's providence that brought us to where we are today. And God takes the unqualified and he can qualify them. And that's very special. That is. And if, if you are just meeting um, Alton for the first time, he is a fabulous musician. In fact, before coming on today, I just Googled Alton Garrison piano. He can play fast and Southern and slow and classical. He's amazing with the talents. In fact, sometimes I'm trying to get through this, uh, this time together without getting too jealous, really. He has grown up in an influencer's family. His dad was a pastor, an influencer, and Alton has become an influential voice. You sat in the second chair of the amazing organization, the Assemblies of God, and uh, talk to me a little bit about influencing from the second chair. Maybe somebody's listening and they're a vice president or they work on an executive team, but they're not the executive director. How do you share your light, shine your light without overshadowing an influence from that position? Well, it's an interesting concept. Uh, you know, from my earlier days, I was an evangelist for 18 years before I became a senior pastor. So I went through those periods of transitional seasons, always responsible for the bottom line. I, mm -hmm. I know God is the one who directs us and he's the one who helps us and, and it's ultimately his church. I get that, mm -hmm. but I never had the word assistant in front of my name. Mm -hmm. And so it was quite a change. <laughs> so you have to make some alterations in your thought concept. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually taught a lesson one time on uh, why I dislike being the assistant general superintendent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I, it got a lot of attention and I, sure. I didn't want to tell the then known superintendent what I was doing, <laughs> Dr. George Wood. <laughs> but, but, but for th I said, the difficulty is 
mm-hmm. as an assistant general superintendent. In other words, the second chair. Yeah. I said, I lost access to the people I was supposed to be leading and influencing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as you rise through the, the different levels, you know, I, I, I was at an, a, an administrative role and I was supposed mm-hmm. to be influencing people. And yet I didn't have the daily access like a yeah. pastor would or a, a leader. The second thing, I didn't get to throw touchdown passes yeah. anymore. Now, that metaphor is really about the fact that after you've had a wonderful, beautiful, exciting Sunday, like an Easter Sunday where God's come Mm -hmm. down and people have given their lives to Christ, you go out on a Monday morning with your staff and man, (laughs) you're just blessed and you're excited about it. Well, at this point, when you get into that second chair, especially at the level of administration and leadership, you didn't have those moments. And uh, so, so those two things, if you look at them somehow, they might look a little negative. And, and of mm-hmm. course, the third reason is I'm leading from the second chair. Uh, the bottom line is not something I'm concerned about, but it's something that I've always had to be concerned about. So, so I unpacked all of that, Scott, mm-hmm. and, it, you know, it takes longer than I have here to do yeah. that. But then I said, here's three reasons I love being the assistant general superintendent. And it was the same three reasons. <laughs> Think about that. The same three reasons. I said, I've lost access to the people I lead. Not everybody that you lead are sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you have stinkers and knuckleheads that you have to lead. And so, you know, that wasn't my responsibility at that point. Not my problem. Not, not, not throwing touchdown passes. Suddenly, I've moved into a season of I get to coach and help other people throw touchdown passes. And somehow, as you move through life and through seasons of your administration, your ministry, and your influencing, you somehow get to the place where I believe God helps you have more joy and more Mm -hmm. fulfillment out of watching other people minister and have success and effectiveness because you've coached them or you put something in them from a, a teaching standpoint or a lifestyle example standpoint. And then of course, thirdly, the second chair rarely gets all the arrows. <laughs> the first chair gets them. So, so I think that there's ways to be mm-hmm. a, a blessing to the leader. Mm-hmm. There's a way to have your influence without trying to overpower. If mm-hmm. you understand the role, it is first, um, it's not just a physical acceptance. It has to be an emotional acceptance, but I'm telling you, it can be very fulfilling. I love the 12 years that I spent as the assistant general superintendent. And now you're involved in a brand new initiative. Well, not brand new, but it's really starting to touch the world in an amazing way called the Acts to Journey. It's an initiative that helps churches to grow, be revived. It's really designed to create Uh, disciples and to bring health and growth to uh, churches and to people's lives. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're involved in now with the Acts 2 journey? Well, actually, it's it's a long journey. (laughs) And (laughs) if I look back, uh, when I was asked to write the book called The Spirit Empowered Church, which is actually the textbook for the Acts 2 journey, cohort retreats. So Mm -hmm. I'll explain all that in just a minute. I think we have time for that. But uh, 
I was trying to write this book called A Spirit Empowered Church. Mm -hmm. And I, I had the outline because this is what I had experienced as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I've just told you a little bit about my dad's life. Mm-hmm. Well, I was trying to write chapter one. The rest of the book kind of fell into place. But chapter one, the editors said, you know, if people don't read chapter one and like it, they're not going to read the rest of the book. <laughs> so I turned in the first manuscript, my first transcript, my first effort. And they go, now, Alton, this is good, but... <laughs> we think you can do better. And so I went home and I worked on it and then I turned it in again and they go, this is better, but (laughs) editors are very powerful people. I just want to tell you right now. And, and, you know, I can take, I have a pretty good self-esteem, so I I, I take rejection fairly well, (laughs) but after about the third time I'm getting frustrated and I go home and I'm sitting at my desk at home and I'm just mulling over a prayer or a complaint. I don't know what you'd call it. And I said, God, I don't know what else to do. And the, I, I had this inner voice. I know sometimes people don't understand this, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't my own voice and it wasn't an adversary's voice. It said, mm-hmm. you have replicated your father's ministry. Mm-hmm. I said, what? You have replicated your father's ministry. I said, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But as I began to walk through that process of trying to unpack what that really meant, it all fell into place. My dad had a supernatural experience. I told you about it. Salvation, deliverance. My dad developed a preaching style without any kind of educational back. Now, I'm not an advocate of eliminating education. Please don't Anybody listen to me? No, I believe in it. But sometimes God just makes exceptions. And my dad, he adopted a preaching style that's become very popular today. If you read uh, like Leonard Sweet's book on giving blood, he talks about this narrative style of preaching. So my dad would read a story, pray through on that story, and then kind of act it out. He he was kind of like a human video (laughs) before they ever created the genre. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. But... My dad never had a process and we never had more than 60 on Easter. Mm-hmm. Now he stayed in that town for 22 years. And when we went back for mom's celebration of life, I met a lot of people that had been tremendously yeah. impacted by their lives and ministry. So I'm not minimizing their right. ministry, but, but, but they never had this process. So when I became a pastor, I'd been an evangelist. I became a pastor at the age of 39. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the board interviewed me, I don't think they asked the right questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they they didn't ask me about sacerdotal duties. Sacerdotal is <laughs> just kind of an interesting yeah. word for stuff that pastors do all the time. So I'd never dedicated communion, to baptism. <laughs> yeah, I'd never I never really baptized anybody. I'd never planned a funeral from start to finish. I had only done one wedding in all my life. Uh, and I don't know if it counted. It was out in the park. I know it didn't last. I don't think that was my problem. So I, I just didn't know what to do. The, the church literally was a good historic church, a great church, but it'd been kind of stuck for maybe 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they'd had a, some, you know, my predecessor had been there 12 months, his predecessor 36 months, his predecessor 60 months. So that's not a really good timeline. Mm. So I go there and 
God starts blessing, the church starts mm-hmm. growing, and I don't know what to do on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the Acts 2, now it wasn't called Acts 2 then, but that's how the whole process began to be formed. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden it came to my mind, look at Acts 2. It starts with this tremendous, powerful encounter, Acts 2, 4. Peter preaches this powerful message. 3,000 people get saved mm-hmm. and baptized in one day. So if your church grew from 120 to 3,120 in one day, what would you Good do? Day. Luke comes along and writes in verses 42 through 47, what everybody would say is a process. Mm-hmm. Five functions are derived from that passage of how the church is to operate. If they're going to move from being a church in a synagogue to a church in a home where they're going to move from professionals who did all of the ministry to everybody's involved, they have Mm -hmm. to involve themselves in evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry or service, and worship. Mm -hmm. That is the template we call the Acts 2 template. So what we do now as we help existing churches that may be stuck, maybe plateau, maybe declining. Sometimes we even see churches that are already growing, but need some alignment mm-hmm. and a kind of a new life cycle, a new emphasis on vision. And we ask 10 questions. Mm-hmm. Those 10 questions form the basis of what we're trying to do with regard to this process. Why do we exist? That's your mission. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? That's your vision. That vision has to involve the passion of the leaders, the capacity of the people, and the needs of the community. So we help them get a vision for their unique community. It's not a cookie cutter activity, it's unique. Then how will we behave? That's your values, existing values, aspirational values. Then we start the plan. What's the plan to get us there? How will we engage new people? How are we going to evangelize? How are we going to treat them once they arrive? That's our hospitality or connect. That's the next step would be how we're going to help them grow. That's discipleship. How we're going to train them for service and release them. That's the serve part. That's the lay ministry, then how we're going to get them involved with missional activity and how we're going to connect them to God. That process has now become an Acts 2 process that the book is in six languages Mm -hmm. and our materials are being translated all over the world. It's a global movement as well as a movement here in the United States. In fact, last week I was on a podcast or a little Zoom call with uh, all of the leadership of the Japan Assemblies of God. I just got a a letter or an email, I guess uh, my associate did, from the largest church in the Assemblies of God in the world, 800,000 in Seoul, Korea. They've heard Mm -hmm. about the Acts 2 journey. We're Mm -hmm. involved in Africa. We're involved in Indonesia. We're involved in so many different places because we believe that church, a spirit-empowered, healthy church, is the hope of the world. 
I believe that too. And you've talked about the five functions of the church, and you went quickly over the the ten questions. But somebody may be listening, and they didn't capture all of them. How can they uh, connect with the the material? Find you online to sort of look at some of the things that you're doing with the Acts Two Journey or your own uh, personal ministry. Acts Two Journey dot com. It's a it's got a lot of information. It'll tell you exactly how to connect, how to get involved. Acts journey.com and uh, acts2journey.com is kind of where we all come together. We're training facilitators to do what we do so we can expand much more rapidly. So I said, we're going to have three words. I've covered grace. I've covered providence. The third word is hope. So if you look at the book, those three things come through the book, Spirit mm-hmm. Empire Church book. You do get the process of the Acts 2 journey. It's more of the uh, the model and yep. the cohort that we have where we help people through retreats. That's more of the implementation process. So I've shown you a little bit about my life. I've given mm-hmm. you the stories of how the church grew. That church that I pastored for 15 years is now a church in about 12 different sites. Uh Thousands of people are being touched all over the world because of that. And so it is an, it is just that moment where we're talking about how do we move through life? I say that the Acts 2 journey is a mm-hmm. discipleship process with a discipleship component built in. If we can see people the way Jesus saw people, we mm-hmm. will treat them the way Jesus treated them with love and affection. And I believe that's what it's all about, Scott. So you said that the Spirit-empowered church is really the hope of the earth. Maybe somebody's listening, and they just wonder, how do I become a Spirit-empowered person? Maybe you can just tell us how to do that, and then lead us in prayer that people could experience just the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit right where they're listening today. We believe that there's no situation that God can't help. The end of my dad's ministry was not as miraculous as the beginning. Hmm. I tell the story in the book because it is a story of hope. It's a story of qualification, people getting qualified that are unqualified, and it's a story of this journey. But my Hmm. dad contracted Alzheimer's, an eight-year journey, ended Hmm. up with total mental incapacitation. During that time, my mother lost all of her equilibrium with regard to her faith. She thought she lost her faith, lost her faith. Mm -hmm. She didn't lose her faith. We came to believe she lost her hope. And I believe Mm -hmm. there's some hopeless people listening to me right now that you're about to give up because you Mm -hmm. think you have lost your hope. My dad miraculously without having made a sound in three months, supernaturally spoke one last phrase to my mother and restored her hope. He looked at her even though he was only 87 pounds and hadn't made a sound in three months, the doctor Hmm. said he couldn't. He said, you know what? God still answers prayer. And I'm telling you right now, everyone listening, no matter how hopeless it may look, God still answers prayer. Holy spirit. Mm. You are the supplier of hope. Yes. You're the ones who will make Jesus real to us. If there's someone listening that has never accepted Jesus as their Mm -hmm. personal savior, there's hope. 
if someone here has connected to Jesus, but somehow life circumstances has sucked the hope out of them and Mm -hmm. their hope needle is on empty. Mm. You are the supplier of hope. I pray that not one person listening to me right now will leave this moment without having an infusion of hope, whether it's for their salvation, for their deliverance, for their healing, or for their emotional stability. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What a prayer. What a story. And just filled with truth, inspiration, and influence. And those that are listening, I want to thank you and I want to remind you that you are an influencer. And we're here to inspire your influence so that you can influence in your neighborhoods and stretch out to the nations. Alton, I want to thank you just for spending this time with us. Your faith, your hope, your love touches so many people. And the three words, grace, providence, and hope today have been very powerful. Thank you so much for being with us, Alton. Uh, I've enjoyed it a lot, Scott. God bless you. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to hit the subscription button. You can help us to reach more people and bring more great guests onto the program by giving us a five-star rating and writing a personal review about how this podcast has personally impacted you. We love to read your comments. We'd love you to follow us at The Influencers Podcast Official. That's on all social media channels. To stay up to date, to hear more inspirational content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.